Hello, everyone, and welcome to PR with the Pros, a podcast from PRSSA National. I'm your host, Zach Farincheck, the 2020-2021 Vice President of Brand Engagement for PRSSA National. Today, we have a very special episode of PR with the Pros celebrating Women's History Month. Our Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion, Hania Sharif, interviews Tamara Thal. Tamara is a native Floridian and lover of beaches. With a passion for storytelling, Tamara has worked for small and large agencies, including BCW Global, and has received awards from the LeGrant Foundation, the Page Society, and the Planck Center for Leadership and Public Relations for her contributions to enhancing diversity and inclusion in the industry. Currently, Tamara is an external relations specialist at IBM, where she helps tell IBM's story in local communities across the U.S. When she's not exploring the world of communications, you can find Tamara watching a horror movie, trying new food, or looking for a new city to visit. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome, Tamara, and thank you for joining the podcast today. How are you doing? How was your day? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm good. I'm really good. I mean, as as good as I can be during the pandemic. How about you? Uh, as good as I can be, I guess. Um, I'm on week two of my job, so that's been interesting. Wow, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Ironically, the weather started getting warmer once I started working full time. So, uh. oh my God. <laughs> wait, where are you based right now? I am in, well, how do I say this? Bucks County, which is 45 minutes northeast of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you in New York? I'm in Florida right now. Oh, and my bad. Also, it also just got cold for me, but cold for me is 60 degrees. So I don't know what cold <laughs> for you is. No, I totally get that because every year I go to Florida to visit my grandparents and it's usually in the winter and everyone's like bundled up as soon as it hits like 60 or below. I don't like you guys. This is great. Yeah. What is it to complain does. about? <laughs> yeah. I might have to come visit you in Florida tomorrow. You totally should. <laughs> yes, I probably should. <laughs> so let's get started. Uh, you are currently a professional doing tech PR at IBM. Tell me about your journey up to this point. What is it like to be a Black woman working in tech, a field consisting primarily of white men? Okay, so a little bit about myself. I kind of talked about this earlier, but I am a native Floridian, born and raised. Um, I'm actually a first-generation American and first-generation college graduate. And so I actually just graduated from the University of Florida, um, I think about a year, almost a year ago today. And so both of my parents were born in Haiti. So when I was younger, I spent a lot of time traveling to Haiti, visiting my family and getting to see just a different part of the world. And so being Haitian has always been, I would say, a big part of my identity. Um, and because neither of my parents were able to go to college, I always knew since I was a little girl that I had to. And on top of that, when I did, um, I felt sort of an obligation to study something big. Like, I don't know if other first-gen Americans can relate to this, but I wanted to do something that, um, in my words, impacts society. And so when I first got to college, uh, I actually did study pre-med, or at least I attempted to study pre-med. And then like within my first year, I realized that it just wasn't for me. <laughs> and so I started to looking um, into different majors. And so during my search, I went through political science, African-American history, and then also business. And then eventually, almost randomly, I ended up in PR. 
And so at first, I wasn't sure what it was, um, but when I started reading on some of the things that we as PR professionals do, I knew instantly that this is what I wanted to be. And so when I finally realized that I wanted to study um, PR and what my goals in PR were, I honestly started hitting the ground running. I had a few internships in college, just trying to figure out what specific area I wanted to work in. And so my first internship, um, this one was with a small nonprofit where I was doing environmental sustainability work. And then the next year, I ended up doing a fellowship. And this was probably one of the best things that I could have done as a young professional. I was a Frank Corral fellow where I got to work in public interest communications. And they also sponsored to, to have me live in DC for a summer. And then um, this fellowship is actually how I ended up with my next internship, which was with the Truth Initiative. This is a national nonprofit focused on teen tobacco cessation. Um, and then finally, my next year, this was one of my most memorable ones because I ended up in New York for a summer, and this is where I interned with IBM. And ever since then, I've loved IBM and the tech industry as a whole. And so um, after that summer ended, I actually ended up accepting a full-time offer before the, the uh, beginning of my senior year of college. And so I now work at IBM full-time doing external communications, more specifically U.S. regional and local media relations. And so to your question of what it's like being um, Black working in an industry primarily of white men, to be honest, it's not much different than my everyday life. And so for as long as I can remember, I've always been sort of one of the few minorities in the room. <laughs> I went to a predominantly white institution for college, and then my middle and high schools were also predominantly white. So for me, for me personally, it's always been about finding my safe spaces. So, for example, in college, a group of friends and I founded the nation's second Black Public Relations Student Society, where we honestly just needed a space for us to chat and support each other. And then at IBM, um, this organization has also been pretty good about offering safe spaces as well. I recently joined the Black Business Resource Group at IBM, where we host a lot of events for Black IBMers to have that safe space reserved for honestly just us and also for allies to learn about our culture and learn more about how to better support us. That's awesome. I know, you know, I know firsthand the importance of having a supportive safe space. So it's great right. that IBM's offering that. It's great that you can find those and that they are available to you. And can I just say that you are such a legend? I mean, <laughs> accepting a full-time offer before your senior year of college, that's crazy. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. Well, every well deserved. My goodness. Um, and you know, it's interesting that you say that you're going for pre-med first because I was also considering pre-med. Um, all the people, not all the people, but a lot of my family members are doctors. And oh, wow. I felt I needed to follow that path. Um, and it turns out my brother, he's the science one. And I'm the writing English person <laughs> in the family. So I was like, you know what the next best thing is to do PR for, you know, pharmaceuticals or medicine or a hospital. Literally me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard so many stories of people transferring over into PR and then realizing, oh my God, PR was like, this is, this is the field for me. This and was it all along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really cool how that happens. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I, well, I just find it like, I would like to see how we can make PR more accessible to students so that they don't have to like, you know, go in a roundabout directions and try to find or find, end up finding PR like in their third year of college, which was me. So yeah. Yeah. make it easier for them or something. But I would yeah. love to see that happening. I um, agree. And that yeah. sort of speaks to like a bigger issue, which is like more diversity in PR. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yes. And I think we start, we have to start recruiting in high school. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Moving on, uh, tell me about your involvement with PRSSA and Beepers. How have these organizations helped launch your career? So PRSSA was one of the first organizations that I got involved with when I first declared officially my major in PR. And so as a member, it definitely helped me understand our field a little bit more. Um, my chapter at the University of Florida had a lot of guest speakers and also just different opportunities for us to hone in on our skills. For example, I mean, honey, you know this, writing is an important skill for any PR professional. And so through my PRSSA, I got to publish a few blog posts with, um, with them. And this was also super helpful because I don't know about you, but it seemed like a lot of the internships asked for writing samples. So I always had those handy simply because of my PRSSA giving me those opportunities to write. And then um, for BPRIS, a few friends and I actually ended up launching this organization at our school. We really wanted to create a space where we could just unequivocally be ourselves. And then above all else, we wanted to help provide more Black students with the skills and experience to thrive in PR. Um, honestly, because there just aren't that many Black people in PR right now. Um, and so with our BPRIS, I served as the PR director. And I would say overall, the skills I gained were definitely helpful in launching my career. For example, I gained a lot of leadership experience. Um, our meetings also addressed some of the specific skills that you need in PR. And then we also touched on a few case studies um, throughout the year. So this helped in understanding how to think like a PR professional. And then we also had a lot of guest speakers. So I gained the opportunity to hear from Black professionals from all walks of life in different industries. Um, and so each of these speakers, I would also say, kind of served as an informal mentor for me. And I'm still in touch with a few of them today. Um, and so overall, I would honestly encourage all PR students to get involved in these pre-professional organizations like BPRIS and PRSSA, because at the very least, you get to meet people in your field and potentially gain a second family, or at least that's how I viewed BPRIS. And at the most, you gain these skills that help you launch your success in PR. That's awesome. And I love that the programming teaches you how to think like a professional. I know that, you know, in a lot of our classes, um, you don't often learn that. It's more about like theory and and campaigning, yeah. but thinking like a PR professional is so needed, especially for those who, you know, are new to media studies and new to like reaching out to the media and pitching to the media. Like how should we be thinking? Um, and I love that beautiful message of unequivocally being ourselves or, or unequivocally be ourselves. I think that is so important, listeners. Listen to this. <laughs> Tamara is spitting facts. I mean, really, that was just a message from the organization, but it's still something that we should all be learning and listening to and following. So, thank you for that, Tamara. And moving on um, to a different direction, we are currently celebrating Women's History Month. Has your company planned any special programming to celebrate this month, or have you planned anything? Yes, yeah, so IBM has done a lot to empower women, both at IBM and also at other companies. And so for starters, um, during the start of the um, Women's History Month, IBM's Institute for Business Value published a report that basically highlights the fact that during the pandemic, an alarming, and I mean alarming, rate of women had to drop out of the workforce, which is just super sad to begin with. Um, and the report also states that organizations need to act now in order to prevent honestly, a point of no return for women. Um, and so this report highlights the resources that more businesses need to be providing to women in order to ensure our well-being and also to promote workplace equity for women. And this is such a huge issue for me right now. And I think we as we as people and more organizations need to be thinking about that too in the coming years and not only during Women's History Month. 
And then IBM also hosts an annual, annual Women's Leaders in AI list where we recognize female leaders making a change in the tech world. And so at IBM, I'm sure, and I'm sure many companies as well, a lot of amazing women have patents under their belts or are doing amazing work in AI. So IBM wanted to highlight them both internally and externally and ensure they're getting the recognition they deserve. That's awesome. Glad to hear that. And let's talk from a more historical perspective. So tell me your thoughts on the celebrations of women's history. How have they addressed or reflected Black women since Black women did not and do not have the same opportunities as white women? Oh, yes, this is a spicy question, but so, so important. Yep. yep. <laughs> so unfortunately, and I think we've all collectively begun to realize this, our history and what we're taught in school has been severely whitewashed. I mean, during the suffrage movement, civil rights movement, and many other prominent social justice eras, we hear about a lot of white leaders, yet only the same three multicultural leaders. Um, and so when you really start to learn about our history, you know that we wouldn't be where we are today without so many groups. And I'm not only talking about Black people, but also the LGBTQ plus community and so many other communities. So looking forward to me, I mean, it's really important that when companies take the time to participate in these awareness months like Black History, Women's History, that they're actually taking a good look at the messages they're spreading and making sure that they're accurately representative of what happened in history. And then also including women in your Women's History Month campaigns and including Black people in your Black History Month campaigns. I mean, I feel like that shouldn't have to be said, but it just does. Um, and so to me, language is so important and companies have a responsibility to get it right. And then also to your point about black women, you said it great, honey, we have been neglected, um, not only in society, but in the workplace as well. And when you think about, um, sorry, when you celebrate Women's History Month, I think it's a great time more than ever to of course acknowledge and reflect on the great triumph we as women have made as a whole, but also think about and highlight some of the specific women like black women, Asian, Latina, white, LGBT who have trailblazed and allowed us to get to where we are today. And also I have to say this, but today we still have large inequities among women. Like the pay gap is huge. Um, I would honestly call on businesses and tell them that they need to do better about ensuring that black Native American and Latina women begin to earn the same amount as our counterparts because it's just not where it needs to be. I'm so glad you mentioned Native American women in this because, <laughs> you know, they are a whole community that is so completely forgotten about and yeah. neglected. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, you've said you mentioned companies actively taking a good look at their messaging. And that yeah. reminds me of when Burger King tweeted, what was that tweet? Oh, oh my God. The like the, oh. the stereotype of women should be in the kitchen. And then like using that as um, like clickbait, basically. They were trying to be creative, but I assure you, no woman approved that message. Like, what was I that? Know. <laughs> I, I really do wonder what the women in the room were thinking when that tweet was being created. And you know and what? And if there were any women in that room. Yeah, I was going to say, and you know what? It makes me sad because I feel like there were women in that room, right? I just mm -hmm. wonder if they had felt empowered to speak up, right? So this speaks to like, Yes, you can have diversity, but are you actually empowering your women to speak up or your minorities to speak up? Because there had to have been some woman in that room. But did y'all make her feel comfortable enough to say something about that? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well said. <laughs> and companies do have this responsibility to make sure they're crafting the right message. And, and more internally, making sure that their employees, like you said, are feeling comfortable enough to, you know, stand up and say what's wrong and what's right. So yeah, completely agreed. Um, and could you speak to your experience about how organizations can better support Black employees and what not to do? And what can organizations do? Oh, yes. So I have so many thoughts on this. And I'll try to keep it short, Anya. <laughs> Um, So for one, we need to be more intentional about outreach. You actually talked about this a little bit earlier, so I was happy about that. But I know companies are beginning to do this, but if you want more diverse employees, you need to go out to where we are and recruit there. Have your HR team recruit at HBCUs in predominantly Black neighborhoods or Black conferences. You know, like that's literally just one of the easiest ways you can improve your recruitment process. And IBM actually does this a lot and we've actually invested like millions of dollars in HBCUs. So in addition to recruiting where we are as black people, you need to invest in us, put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) And then secondly, I would say be intentional about ensuring black people and other minority communities advance within your company. And I say this because oftentimes we may not be starting at the same place at some, as some of our counterparts. So in order to ensure a truly equitable race, you can give us more opportunities to gain skills and leadership training. Um, and this will also help um, businesses because they just need more diversity in the sweet, sweet, C-suite, <laughs> like they just do. A diverse organization is a successful one. And when you, when you bring in more Black people, women, diverse groups, in the executive level, actually making decisions and feeling empowered to do so, you know, you just get more creative, new, um, and innovative ideas. And in the end, your company will be more successful. Exactly. And just overall better decision-making. Oh, yeah. Which we could see that other companies like Burger King could do. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was just going to say, like I mentioned two things that they can do. I also wanted to talk about one thing that they just shouldn't do. Um, This one's super important to me, but tokenize Black people. Don't do that. (laughs) I would caution um, companies not to overextend and exploit your Black employees, especially if they're not getting paid more to do that extra work, right? Like in addition to not exploiting them, I just need businesses to know that Black people are not a monolith. Like we're not all the same. And what I'm saying to you now, you may have a dozen other Black people who are listening to this podcast right now who disagree with it. And that's like completely fine. So just don't exploit that one Black employee, um, but rather seek several opinions. And most importantly, train the team that you do have now for cross-cultural awareness so that you don't have to keep going to the same employee over and over again. So well said. Thank you. And tomorrow, you and I have actually, we've discussed this before when our last panel, remember yeah. that last yeah. year and how not to, <laughs> because oftentimes we're the only ones in the room who look like us. Yeah. And so to feel that way, to be like drilled, that narrative that like, oh, we're this race or this color, we must know everything about this subject is just not fair. And it's not, it doesn't make me feel comfortable either. Exactly. So, yeah, we're not subject matter experts in all things diversity and inclusion. If you want someone for that role, hire someone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well said. Thank you for sharing, Tamara. I know that that was a tough question that you know many organizations are asking right now, and it takes having voices like yours to help make a difference. And when you mentioned that I um, that IBM has invested millions of dollars into HBCUs, that genuinely put a smile on my face. Like you know the Aww. fact that they're taking action and investing into this. I I mean, that's really awesome to hear. So thank you for bringing that up. 
And now that you, Tamara, are in the real world, you're working hard, you're making strides. What are you personally doing to create a successful, happy life for yourself? This is a deep question. Okay, so I actually picked this up at the start of the pandemic and when we started like working from home, but I practice mindfulness. Um, And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically like being aware of your emotions, your thoughts and your body, like in this exact moment. And so honestly doing mindfulness has helped me in almost every aspect of my life, both personally and professionally. So when I say mindfulness, just like living every day as a new journey and not sweating over yesterday's problems, um, but rather finding ways to make today better, better than what it was yesterday. And so honestly, I say I practice mindfulness by writing a lot. Like I write and think about what I'm doing throughout the day. And also if I make a mistake, I try not to beat myself up too much about it. Like I also start to view mistakes not as personal issues, but rather as an opportunity to grow. And then I've noticed I'm able to produce better work and just be more happy and content with life when I acknowledge what's stressing me out or bothering me instead of just like honing in on it, you know? And when I make a mistake, I just think about how I could have done better and just keep it moving. Like there's literally no point in worrying about it too much. (laughs) What's done is done. All you can do is move on to the next day. I love that. It's something that we all need to, you know, be reminded of. Um, (laughs) I tend to beat myself up for something that I've done. So being able to recognize like, okay, you know what? It's fine. Like the sun will still come up. I will still wake up. The day will go on. (laughs) The world will go on. Life will go on. It's okay. (laughs) And I have also tried practicing mindfulness. I'm still trying tomorrow. I promise. But it's really hard. It is. (laughs) No, it is hard. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. But props to you for, you know, keeping it up because um, (laughs) it's not easy for some of us. Oh, my God. Actually, well, yeah, like you said, it was it's hard. So, yeah. (laughs) But kudos to you. I respect that. So to wrap up the section, are there any other thoughts you would like to share? Any final advice for students or professionals listening to this right now? Oh, yes. So I do have one advice for professionals or I guess organizations. I would say just you need to be more proactive, you know, like don't wait for another tragic incident like George Floyd to decide that you actually care about Black people. You know, like don't wait until Black History Month to start your initiatives. We exist all year long. So show us that. Amen. Well said. Exactly. Keep it going. Right. Keep up the momentum. Keep up the good work. So moving on to sort of a new segment that our favorite brand engagement guy, Zach Farinchek, created. We're going to end with the PR lightning round. Are you ready, Tamara? Oh, I'm scared, but I'm ready. (laughs) What are you looking forward to the most for the rest of 2021? Oh, I mean, I feel like everyone feels like this, but 2021, COVID, you got to go, baby girl. Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) I miss hanging out with my friends, visiting family. I even miss going into the workplace and just having a daily routine. I've been following the news and, you know, some of the vaccine updates. So I'm kind of hopeful that we'll be at a better place than where we are now, but I just need it to go. (laughs) I love that. Um, What's your favorite app? Twitter. Definitely. I'm obsessed with Twitter. (laughs) If you're in PR, like you almost have to be on it. Like the discourse, the current events, the humor, like you get that nowhere else but Twitter. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that's where companies are promoting their brands. Yeah. We gotta gotta learn from them. How do we promote (laughs) ourselves? I promote promote myself through memes. 
that I don't post on Twitter actually. <laughs> Wait, what am I talking about? <laughs> they say in my drafts too, I feel you. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh my God. Like <laughs> posting a tweet with like a meme that I'm really proud of and everything and then getting zero likes. Biggest oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping I got some supporters. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what is a quote that you live by or appreciate oh easy okay so my forever first lady michelle obama <laughs> she once said that failure is a thought long before it's an action i'm gonna go ahead and repeat that one failure is a thought long before it's an action like i literally love that quote so much i read it in her book becoming have you read it honey if you I haven't have you have to it's I've so not. good <laughs> I think I should now. I mean, first of all, thank you for repeating that. I needed that to sink in. <laughs> I honestly thought you were gonna say when they logo when they go low, we go high. That's a good one too. But yeah. like my but quote, like it speaks to like okay, I don't know if you've heard of imposter syndrome, but oh, I saw that oh for a long time. And like that that quote just got me out of it. It was like get out of the darkness and come to the light. You are not a failure. You can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Don't take yourself out of the race before it begins or before it ends. Like, just keep going. <laughs> that is beautiful. I'm, okay, now I'm going to have to read the book. <laughs> I love Michelle, Michelle Obama. I can't talk. I love Michelle Obama so much. She's so classy, elegant. She always gets it right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful, that. that's a great quote. Um, I, I feel that with imposter syndrome. Sometimes when I'm feeling it, I'm like, snap out of it, honey. You gotta, <laughs> you just gotta stop, <laughs> stop yeah. right now and go for it. Or whatever yeah. opportunities are out there that are that you think you don't deserve. You deserve it, period. Yeah. We all deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a show worth binge watching? Okay, so I was telling you about this, honey. I love horror movies, but I'm not going to say a horror movie because there's just not that many horror shows. <laughs> but I think in terms of shows, the first one, I would say The Good Place. Have you seen it? I have not. Tomorrow oh. we've talked about this. I am not watching that. <laughs> it's so good. It's really good. <laughs> and then, okay, it's fine. The second one you have to watch, though. It's called Sex Education. Okay, I've watched a little bit of it but haven't gotten far. It's so good. First of all, it's one of Netflix's few shows that's actually super diverse. Yes. And then like the plot, everything. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. From what I saw, I did enjoy it. But, you know, so many shows have just come up and like completely taken over. So that's true that I forgot about. But I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't mention Behind Your Eyes. <laughs> okay, I would. Yeah, that's another one. Y'all should watch that, too. It's really good. <laughs> but, Very good. Okay. I didn't say that one just because it only has one season. And I don't know about you, but I hate watching a show when it only has one season. Like, I need to wait until it has, like, more. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I was pretty satisfied that it was just done. Because, well, first of all, for, for Behind Your Eyes, I don't think I'd want to see another season. That freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. I wish I, like, you know, uh, never saw that in the first place. Because <laughs> now I can't sleep. Oh but, my gosh, that yeah. ending is like edged in the back of my school. Like I, I can't. Know. It. <laughs> I know. I was about to do the British or the Scottish voice right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Atom. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. So okay. moving on, finally. Any parting words for the audience today? 
Ooh, okay. So I would just say have empathy. You know, like not everyone has the same skill set as you, has the same education as you, or even the same background. Um, so just be patient with others. And then I think one other thing I would just give to everyone, it would be to always um just always try to learn something new, learn about other people's cultures, be willing to unlearn and also learn new things and take away those stereotypes and unconscious biases that you may have. Like we all have them. Like there's no way to avoid that. Just be conscious of them and try to take them away. Exactly. And one thing I like that you said was be patient with others. And most importantly, be patient with yourself. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jamara, for joining me on the podcast. And thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Thank you so much to Hania for hosting this episode. And thank you to Tamara for joining us as our special guest. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests on PR with the pros or student stories, email us at vpbrandengagement at prsa.org. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.